Are you guys fans of the NBC comedy Superstore? Because I am. Uh, my guest today, Amir Karangi, plays the ultra dry, ultra funny Saeed in Superstore. So I'm super excited about that. In addition, he's been teaching acting for 35 years, 20 years of which he was in London. That's amazing. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Mind the gap. Amir Karangi, welcome to Breakfast. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> my uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> As you just said, you're not a prostitute. What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. Some salsa and some sour cream some guacamole. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. So, we met at a housewarming party of a mutual friend. That's right. Uh, and I, at that time, I didn't even have a podcast named Breakfast. I was just telling you I would love to have you on because I was speaking with you and yours. It was just a really fun conversation. So, Superstore premiered on September 26th, so just a couple days ago. I bet that's pretty exciting for you to have that coming back. Absolutely. We're all very, the whole cast are very excited about it. Uh, uh, by all accounts, I mean, this is the audience response to it, that the uh, the uh, various seasons have been just getting better and better. You know, they've, I think they're in constant uh, touch with the writers, really, with sort of audience response and everything. And, uh, and so the writing has become... I feel for a sitcom even deeper that, that they've been picking up on a lot of social issues. Uh, you know, yeah. They dealt with quite a lot of social issues in season four, and they're going to kind of continue that process. And it's it's wonderful the way they interact with that as well. Um, I the, yeah, I really enjoy it when, uh, especially when you've got a network comedy that will address issues like that. Sometimes they're not willing to do that, and you guys kind of take them head on. I enjoy that. What do you think about? Uh, the, the kind of the cliffhanger of last season. Well, this is it. The cliffhanger of the last season was very exciting. I think it was just so, uh, it resonated with a lot of people, but it was just so relevant to what was going on in the country at that time as well. And it's still going on at the moment. Uh, uh, the, the whole idea of ICE and being an undocumented immigrant and, uh, or being a refugee, the differences between the two uh, was uh, was quite um, uh, touching for a lot of people. I mean, uh, people were very, very uh, touched by what was happening to mm-hmm. Mateo's character, yeah. uh, which was brilliantly played by Nico Sanchez. I mean, it was just wonderful. Uh, and, uh, and the whole idea that uh, people just can't come in and do that to you after so many years of living here... Um, uh, was frightening for everybody. And as you notice, Saeed seemed to be prepared for that, having gone through uh, the whole notion of being a refugee and applying for refugee status. And I know a lot of people that have gone through that process. I've had uh, family members, uh, you know, extended family members that have gone through that process. And uh, it's a long, long, uh, laborious process to go through. Uh, and you never know what's going to happen at the end of that. Right. Uh, and your entire future depends on it. I mean, your whole life depends on it. Yeah. And, you know, I would think Mateo is such a beloved character on Superstore that 
I'm hoping that he's going to go. I mean, we won't give anything away because mm-hmm. it hasn't. We haven't really seen it yet, other than the premiere, and it's only been a couple of days. So, right. but I'm um, hoping that Pompeo comes back. He's my countryman from right. the Philippines. I yes. was born there, so I'm I'm excited yes. to have you know one of my countrymen uh, represented yes. on the show. I'm yeah. sad that he got uh, you know taken away by ICE, but hopefully yeah. that'll get resolved. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your character Said a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned in the intro he's super dry. But he's but that's also what makes him funny, I think. Right. right. Uh, how was the audition process for? Was it? Did you know it was going to be like a recurring character when you auditioned? Well, this is the interesting thing with these auditions. You know, you go through a lot of auditions and you set your heart on them and you're doing your best and whatnot. I uh, I remember the audition very specifically, and um, I uh, was teaching, and I got the sides the night before, <laughs> and uh, I had to go between my classes. Uh, and an audition for the casting directors there, uh, and it was episode three, not episode one, that I auditioned for. Interesting oh, enough, okay. yeah, because it was uh, th- th- there was more to it. There was more meat to what was written for Said's character in episode three. Um, so I thought this is interesting, I, and I, I just assumed he starts in episode three. I didn't realize it starts episode one, right? And uh, so it was one of those things. You go in, you make the best choices you can you do the thing i had uh, some adjustments from the casting directors where were absolutely appropriate i delivered those and next thing i know there were there were no callbacks or anything i i just went straight into right you booked for first episode uh and there's only a couple of lines in the first episode mm-hmm. and uh but the interesting part is when when i did that when i was on the set that first day on set i delivered that first line and uh they loved it they laughed, which was a surprise to me because you just don't know. You, you, you make was, the best choices you can. Was that the episode? That was the one about the baby shower? Uh, about a baby shower, okay. exactly. And what was that line? I just uh, want to hear you say it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really funny line. Yeah. What the hell, Amy? <laughs> what the hell, Amy? <laughs> what the hell, Amy? As he does. It's like, <laughs> That's uh, great. And it was... Um, uh, and it was the character expecting, feeling entitled, having just started working there, right. that he would should should be invited to uh, you know somebody's, somebody's baby, baby shower. shower for Carnella, <laughs> and uh, and then what the writers did immediately after that line because everybody laughed and what oh, you know what it's like with sitcoms yeah. I mean obviously you you know you, you run the lines before which is called the rehearsal which is not exactly rehearsal you just run the lines yep. you know? <laughs> and they laughed uh, and then of course you do it and nobody laughs because they're shooting and right. so you don't know how it's coming across. But after that, immediately, the, the two writers came over to me and they said, oh, we got another line for you here. Nice. Uh, and I think, and uh, I thought, oh, well, that, that bodes well. That yes. kind of sounds good. Uh, and there were a lot of members of the cast were just very welcoming and lovely to me. Uh, 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 the uh, sort of Calico, who plays uh, Sandra. Okay. Uh, she was absolutely brilliant i mean she showed me the ropes that literally that first day and she said i think they like you oh good i'm hearing that they like you i think you're going to be back uh <laughs> which was very encouraging it was nice nice to hear and uh yeah and the next thing i knew i was getting booked episode after episode and i've done 20 episodes yeah now. great yeah um, as of today yeah. I, it's, it's got to be interesting at least for me when i look at the show from the outside i see you got Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall, like one of the greatest sketch shows of all time. Yeah, uh, how's that? How's that been to work with him? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, these guys, honestly, um, 
there are comedy geniuses. They really are because you can see how comfortable they are on set. Uh, not only in delivering the lines and making those lines work, uh, although they're brilliantly written lines, uh, they're still, you know, through their character. They're just wonderful at, at delivery and timing. And also somebody like Mark uh, uh, in between takes. I mean, he cracks wonderful jokes and comments. And, uh, and there is some room. Sometimes they do uh, sort of a wild take where uh, people can improvise. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're just brilliant at that making right. that work uh, and uh, Mark has been wonderful I've had wonderful conversations with him in the past and of course he's nothing like the character <laughs> as people know uh, he's, he's a highly educated man Canadian he's traveled the world a lot and, you know he's a very sophisticated person <laughs> yeah um, and uh, salt of the earth just, yeah. just a genuine genuinely good guy I um I know Colton Dunn a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I know him more than he knows me. You're talking about wild takes. That guy is an amazing improviser. Colton oh, he's Dunn. an amazing improviser. I mean, he does UCB, as you know, and yeah. and he still does that. And uh, he's a, he's a great improviser. Uh, he's brilliant at, at. I mean, his character is brilliant. It's. At, at calling nonsense when people talk yes. nonsense he's got wonderful sort of dry comebacks at yep. those at those lines and it's just he sees through all of that um, but Colton's also uh, again he's a he's a he's a fantastic actor very very supportive uh, and brilliant at improvising yeah. I mean he, he throws certain lines in and we just all crack up you know after <laughs> there are times that and that's the fun the part of being on that set because everybody's so good at uh, at improvising you know so in between takes with the wild takes they just keep going yeah. They keep going. And some of that stuff does end up on the show, obviously. You know, some of those clips end up on the show uh, for a lot of those moments. That, that, uh, And I think it's part of the fact that the, the, the whole creative process with this show, the writers, the producers, you know, the exact producers, a lot of the writers are exact producers on the show. And uh, they are very comfortable with the collaborative creative process there there are hardly any egos going on i mean that the, the number one task is that this has got to work uh we want to sort of sort of deliver the best version of these scenes that we can so they're very much open to those suggestions and guys like carlton and mark and actually the rest of the actors they're just you know they're all wonderful at making brilliant suggestions and and, and working the writers very gracious and accepting that and and of course we get a lot of alts uh, on the spot as uh-huh. well as yeah. as as you're doing it, uh, uh, and uh, and that's always fun to work with. You've also got, I mean, we did a mention America Ferrara. Yeah. I mean, kind of a groundbreaking actor in her own right. Yeah. Ugly Betty and uh, Real Women Have Curves, and yeah. I mean, I am full of admiration for America because I mean, she's. 35. <laughs> she I has know. achieved so much. She's exact producer on the show. Uh, you know, she has a family life that she runs very well. She runs it as an exact producer really well. She directed an episode last season and it was so smooth running and in between looking after her kid, directing the show, acting in it, and she is socially active out there all the time. I mean, she's putting some wonderful content about sort of current issues and social issues and political issues out there. And uh, she's, she's super active. I don't know how she does it. I really don't know how she does it. It's just maybe the energy of youth. But I think she's, uh, she's, um, she's very focused. I think she's, yeah. she's highly focused individual uh, and her heart's always in the right place. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Superstore, season five. It's underway. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to have you talk to you about that. Sure. Uh, and, you know, let's keep watching that show so it stays on for five more seasons. Yeah, I, keep I watching, please. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun coming your way. You Excellent. wait. You know things that you can't tell us right now. That's, I know, I can't tell. I'm dying. I'm dying to tell you. <laughs> you uh, where did you grow up? Right. Well, uh, first 13, 14 years of my life, I grew up, I was born in Iran. Okay. I'm so originally Persian. I, first 13, 14 years of my life, I, I grew up there. And then I moved to uh, a small town in Pennsylvania, believe it or not, and uh, lived with my uncle, who was a doctor there for about three years, going to high school. So okay. I went to, did my high school there, uh, senior high school there. Um, and uh, then... Got into GW, moved to DC at 17 on my own, nobody there, you know, sort of did that. Changed college a lot, went to GW, went to Catholic U, went to drama school. Yeah, one of those people that, because I was constantly trying to explore like what to do with my life to be yeah. honest with you did you go to GW as a uh, I went to GW as a pre-med believe it or not oh wow a student okay. yeah uh, because that was that's what you do as an Iranian you either become a lawyer or, or an engineer or or a doctor <laughs> those are the those were the legitimate areas to go right. into nobody in my family was ever in the arts or remotely in the arts Interesting. Uh, but what I found myself doing all the time when I was going to these pre-med schools like reading literature reading plays just going to see plays just excited about the whole thing and I thought no I've got to take acting classes and so, so did that's you, how it started so did you act in high school or in junior high anything like that no okay Not so what's the all. first thing that you kind of did then what, what got you uh, into it well, I mean, you know, when I said no, it was just like, you know, the minor stuff that you do at the end of the school type sure. of thing, you know, going back. But nothing nothing of note or significance in that sense. Uh, and, and I think what, uh, what got me into it, to be honest, uh, years before I went to see, uh, there was a festival in Iran way back called the, um, uh, uh, the, the Shiraz International Art Festival uh, and uh, Peter Brook brought a company of people there, actors there, and it was an international cast, and it was, uh, and it was an amazing piece of theater. Uh, and so that's, I, I, first of all, got interested in theater, really. I mean, that's what I did most of my life as mm -hmm. well, theater, rather than film and television. Um, and uh, that, I think I got the bug there about, but not necessarily as an actor, but just somehow involved in that business. You know, I just thought somehow I want to be part of that. This is great. I want to be, you know, I, I want to write, I want to direct. And I ended up directing quite a lot of theater. So I actually started off, to be honest with you, like my first job in the theater was directing. Okay. I directed a pin to play. And oh, I directed which one? Some other way. Homecoming. Oh, okay. uh, and, uh, and I did that in the East Coast. And then it just, it just propelled from there. A lot of acting. And then I started getting acting work. And I thought, oh, I better take some classes. I literally, that's how it <laughs> happened. And I went to drama school and then... And interestingly enough, my first uh, drama teacher uh, is now uh, my brother-in-law. I married his sister. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's very so I started working as his assistant because uh, he was teaching. He was a drama teacher. He was an actor, trained in London, he was a Brit. And uh, I, um, so I started assisting him. And that's how I learned to teach, by actually assisting my professor. Uh, and it just uh, propelled from there. And I thought, oh, I love teaching. This is great. It's wonderful to see when people get it. So you were acting um, and directing and then... Teaching. And teaching. Yeah, I started and, all three pretty much at the, wow. within the same year, I would say. 
That, yeah. sound, that sounds like you were talking about with America. That's very focused. You know, if you could do all three of those things at the same time. Well, tried, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So at some point, uh-huh. well, I want to talk about this also. Early in your career, one of your first uh, film roles mm-hmm. was actually in one of my favorite movies, <laughs> uh, Batman from 1989 with Michael Keaton. I know. It, it was such a crazy experience, right? Because uh, I was in London and I really hadn't done, I think I'd done two things on television or something okay. like that, two small sort of bits and pieces. And this was a fairly small role as well, but it was in a big, huge, in iconic a huge film. Movie. You know, it was an iconic film. So, um, and uh, I was asked by my agent to go and see Marion Doherty uh, uh, at Warner Brothers in London. And uh, I was just like, oh my goodness, Marion Doherty. Now, Marion Doherty is uh, one of the, an iconic casting director. Mm-hmm. He, she was the casting, head of casting at Warner's for years. I mean, she made uh, the whole casting process what it is today. Uh, she was casting during New York and then LA and all of the rest of it. And of course, then she was in London at the time. And she was the, the most genuine, wonderful person. And this was the interesting thing. So I'm in London. I go to her office. I'm going in for a small role, uh, but she spends a lot of time with me. She was talking about the background to the film. I'm I'm there in their office, and we start talking about Pennsylvania. She's from Pennsylvania. And I spent time in Pennsylvania. We knew the same places. So it became like a chat, not to do with anything but like what we were familiar with. Uh, which was wonderful. I always find that's a wonderful way when you make the connection with the Absolutely. casting director. Absolutely. That's like one that. of my favorite things you know, to do. Is- I, and she just, I think she just kind of liked having that conversation with me. I, I really truly think she just wanted to give me something. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there was anything. I think they just kind of thought, let's create this wine steward who comes in and does one line. I want to get this kid some job. When I was in my mid-twenties. So you played the wine steward. You played Bruce Wayne's Oh, Bruce Wayne's wine, wine steward. steward. I, just, I mean, that's, come on. I, it's just, it's, it's a ridiculous, it's, it's hysterical. I, I just have to come into the, the middle of their scene in the uh, the hall with the suits of armor yeah. when there is, uh, you know, Kim Basinger and, and uh, Michael Keaton and they're having that conversation. Yeah. I'm just supposed to come in and interrupt and deliver this one line. Yeah. And we need to open a few more cases. This is champagne, Mr. Wayne, or something like that. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. But the number of people that saw that, and it yeah. was just, and, and so I was really chuffed, to be honest. That's great. Uh, and what was great was Tim Burton was mm-hmm. just incredibly sweet on that set. He sent me, well, I got this one line in this film that where there are like hundreds of people working in it. I got a really wonderful, I got two Christmas presents from it. And uh, you know what I mean? And then another, like, you know, months later. uh, So it was great to be on that set. But what was great is, like, for the first time, I'm, like, there, and I'm, like, oh, my God, that's Jack Nicholson. This is somebody starting their career in film and TV, like, never having done that much, you know, a lot of theater, but not that stuff. And there's, like, Michael Keaton and makeup. He's from Pennsylvania, by the way. So we had a great chat about that, you know. And all of this stuff just being, uh, and it was thrilling for me. And I think I was just like hooked. I want to do more of this. Yeah, I, I know bet. I didn't do a great job, but I just want to do more of it until I learn. Yeah, when I get better at this, so different than theater, of course. But well, that's, I mean, that's such a great uh, thing to do early in your career too. Mm. You know, where you're like, okay, now you've had this thing, and you're like, okay, I like this. Yeah, yeah I like it. Right? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's yeah, great. That's well, one of my favorite, uh, still one of my favorite Batman's, you know, iterations. Is it Michael was a good Keaton, one. You know? It was a great one. Yeah, yeah. Tim Burton's a genius. He's an absolute genius. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
So you were acting for a bit, and then you took a break. I did. I did, and the the break came because uh, you know being um, an ethnic actor, and at the time as well, there were a couple of things. There were a couple of factors involved. Um, one of them was that the, the, the roles were going sideways, you know. It was like onwards and forever sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it was getting to me. And I was actually, to be honest, enjoying much more uh, the directing and the teaching because I thought, ah, if, if this is going to be it, I don't know. Um, but on top of that, uh, interestingly enough, I gave up when I actually had a very good job, an acting job, which was for London Weekend Television. Uh, and it was uh, a show called the, uh, the what was a TV movie called the Ian Spiros story with uh, Alfred Molina. Uh, and uh, I was playing his sort of best friend or whatnot, which we shot in London. And then we were going to come into LA to shoot at uh, Marina Del Rey. Um, so, you know, you get all the perks. You know what it's like. You get all the perks as an actor over there. You're sort of living your grotty flat in London and you're teaching, you're, you're struggling to survive. And suddenly you get this film and it's paying you good money and they send you to first class to LA. And you just set up at Shangri La and the whole thing, you know, the whole works. Uh, and uh, but I remember I only had forty pounds to my name. I had two kids. I had a wife and two young kids, very two young boys at the time. And I only had forty pounds to my name flying to LA. And I thought if I don't get my per diems, I'm really going to be in trouble. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need my per diems just to survive. Uh, and uh, and of course I knew I was going to get the fees. So it'll be all right. So I'm thinking, yeah, the rent's going to be paid. That's all right. But yeah, uh, and. And I do remember when we finished the shoot on that day, I had to fly back to London, which is sort of an 11-hour flight from L.A. And also door-to-door, it would be like 17 hours for me. Mm-hmm. I got to London, and I had to, with my suitcase, go into an evening acting class and teach, knowing that if I don't do that, I'm going to suffer financially. Yeah, This was how tight things were. And I thought, I can't keep doing this and I probably can't emotionally cope with this, and I can't keep doing this to my family at the moment. Uh, I need to pursue the teaching right now. Um, so it was kind of bizarre timing, you yeah. know, because you think most actors think, oh, I just got this big job. That means I'm going to get another one, another one. But I kind of knew better by then <laughs> because yeah. I was like, hey, it's feast or famine. Uh, and I needed something steady. So I was offered uh, running a postgraduate acting course in, in London and uh, full-time, and I was like, I'm taking it. And again, what you call Murphy's Law here and we call Sod's Law in London. Okay. Uh, as, soon as, I, as soon as I got that gig of teaching full-time in a postgraduate course, running a postgraduate course, not just teaching on it, actually running it, I booked a TV job. <laughs> oh, wow. And I literally had to tell the casting director who's sort of remained a friend since because she completely understood Corinne Rodriguez, who was a big casting director in the UK, who was sort of RSC in the Royal Court and, you know, big time casting director uh, at BBC. And um, she said, no, I get it. I get it. Um, and uh, she was gracious enough, gracious enough not to hate me for yeah. it, you know. Um, yeah, so I did that for running courses in London. I, I ran a master's degree course and a BA course, and I became totally immersed in academia and teaching thousands of students over those years for about 16, 17 years, wow. up until literally a year before I came to L.A. Um, so before we go too much further, I want to talk about our breakfast at the front yard. Oh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> that was great. It was a good choice. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it was uh, delicious. I've been there a few times. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I think it's a really nice brunch place. Uh, I had the TFY, the front yard Benny or Benedict, which was like some poached eggs. It did have, uh, I've had the hollandaise sauce on the side because I don't like too much hollandaise sauce. Uh, and it had oh what was the meat that it had on it it was uh, some rib, ribs was oh it, it was ribs? like shredded yeah, ribs right uh, it was delicious yeah and uh, I had a citrus drink too which is like little had lemon and uh, pineapple and mm-hmm. apple in it mm-hmm. and uh, it's a nice brunch place that's right you know what did, what did you have uh, I had just plain kale. That's all I have. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it looks delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With nothing on it. Thank you. Right. Plain kale. <laughs> hold everything. Right. Yes, hold everything. No, I had, uh, <laughs> I had fried eggs on steak with mushrooms. And, oh, that's right. Um, you had the steak yeah, It was eggs. actually delicious. Yeah. On, it looked really good. brioche bun. Yeah. yeah it it open, had like a little microgreen salad face. too on it, didn't it? It had a microgreen salad yeah. of, uh, yeah. Rockets and whatever. So uh, I think it's a great brunch place. I always like to talk about you know the place as as an eating place and also as a place to create things. It's not. I don't think it's really a place you would normally go and like take out your laptop and get some writing done because one, it's it's real busy in there and it's just not that type of place. Uh, I agree. But it is a great place if you're like let's say you're meeting up with the your writing partner. Or I think it's say, great. It's a great to, atmosphere. Yeah. The service was great. Yep. It's very pleasant in there and they didn't rush you really. Oh, but no, no, I no, agree. No. You can't sit there and like yeah, go on it, your laptop. It's not a yeah. But it's a good place to to do like a pre-interview for a podcast for oh, example. Ab- absolutely, yes. <laughs> or uh, if you're meeting up with your <laughs> writing partner, you're just brainstorming. I think it's a great place for that. I think so. Uh, but it's, it's and it's right next to the Beverly Garland Hotel, you know, the famous actress Beverly Garland. Which, and thank you for showing me that yeah. as well. Great lobby there. It's cool a beautiful lobby, lobby right? a very cool lobby, yeah. Yeah. Uh. So uh, the the, uh, the front yard, I'm a fan of that place. Yeah. And well, uh, I'm now a fan as well. I'm oh, going to cool. get, Well, I'm glad, you know, uh, thank you for going to breakfast with me at the front yard. Oh, thank that was you. Amazing. It was a good choice. So, can you tell me something that, uh, as an actor or performer, as a teacher, you that you know now that you wish you had known when you started, that would have helped you, saved you a lot of time? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think mostly it has to do with the process of auditioning, to be honest, because uh, I think I was always very comfortable. This is the thing that I've learned, particularly, this is just very personal to me, Okay. I've always been comfortable with teaching. I was always comfortable with doing theater and 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 uh, in rehearsals uh, when it's theatrical material. Uh, we didn't get a lot of film and television training when I went to drama school. There wasn't hardly any of that, you know, very okay. little for some reason. Um, so understanding the different genre, I think, is going to be important. You know, that would have helped. Like understanding, look, you cannot use the same approach for every job. Right. You can't just say, oh, this is how I work, and it better work for this material. It just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, you know, just as there are different ways of handling a brush uh, when you're painting, depending on the type of painting yeah. that you're doing and how you use your material, the same thing applies to acting. So there's not just one approach. Uh, so it's important to be exposed to lots of different approaches. Uh, and then the auditioning process, because there is that thing of, okay, so we're doing work, or we're rehearsing, or we're doing class and stuff. But it's such a different beast, you know, when you go into that room for film and TV work or for, for theater, for that matter, as well. Although 
I have that down, but it was just film and TV. You know, what is expected? What are the levels? How do I pitch the performance? You know, how do I know what do they want? You know, yeah. so I think actually really important to take audition technique classes, good audition technique classes where you can, because it's just where you kind of try and put into effect all of what you've learned in mm -hmm. classes, everything you've learned in classes, but now in order to book the job. Right. Which to me is, is uh, uh, there's a gap there sometimes with a lot of actors that are in training. Yeah. Uh, so they can do it in class, they can do all of that stuff, but somehow the mindset's not quite right. Right. Uh, when I changed my mindset, and I remember exactly when that sort of thing happened, I would get excited about a job and I think, oh, I so want this so bad, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd go in and I'd like, do what I thought was my best, but obviously I was pushing. You right. know? And I'd come back home and my wife uh, said, oh, I think it went great. I was so incredible. I was, uh, and she said, mm, you probably didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'd, sometimes I'd come back and say, I don't know, I just did something, but I thought it was right. I don't know. It was, yeah. it was okay. And she says, oh, you might have booked this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's just this thing of not getting over uh, uh, not obviously not pushing uh, and and enjoying the audition process and by, to, to be honest not auditioning and by pushing yeah. you know for some of our people may not know what that means what mm -hmm. does that mean in like layman's terms what we, what is... it, it's almost like you uh, so you deliver above and beyond what the moment or what the character in in within yeah. that situation requires. He's doing too much. Yeah. yeah. Your your actor's ego trying to be this wonderful dramatic actor mm -hmm. or this hysterically funny actor takes over the character. Yeah. And that doesn't work because the character won't contain that. It's not how it was written. Yeah. You're sort of adding this onto something, you know. So basically, you sp you're over-spicing it. You're spoiling yeah. the broth. You're not letting it breathe. Uh, and it's just when I realized that, okay, I shouldn't actually audition. I should go in and do the job as if I'm filming it, as if I'm now performing it. What choices would I make? And I realized, oh, my goodness, I'll be making different choices than I was yeah. before. It was that eagerness right. <laughs> to desperately book the job that was getting in my way. And it, and honestly, like magic, suddenly I kept, uh, you know, getting pinned for jobs right, left, and center, mm -hmm. or booking them. And, and, and I thought, oh, this is such a relief. It was that easy, and it was just a shift of mindset. Right. And now I thoroughly enjoy auditions. I have such a good time going into the room I just come out buzzing. And it's like, this is great. I'm, yeah. I get a chance to go in work. Yeah. I'm not going in trying to get a job. I'm just going in working. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great mindset to have. Yeah. Um, so one day there'll be a movie called The Amir Karangi Story. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Who's going to play Amir Karangi oh. in that story? <laughs> Could be somebody that that you think would be cast. Could be who oh you would want to be cast. It's really oh up to you. Oh my goodness! But I wasn't prepared for that question. That's crazy. It's an interesting question. That's though. crazy. It's a very interesting question. I have to do some some major thinking about that. Uh, who I, I I mean, obviously off the off the top of my head because I sort of you know <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I can't think in terms of looks because that's not going to be the way it should be. Um, uh, this this film's like such an arrogant answer. Whatever I answer, it's going to sound arrogant, it's, isn't it? Uh, but it's, it's just it's just what I'm, I'm springing this on you. I think so. uh, no, that's all right. That's all right. I love it. I love it. Challenge. Uh, but I think I think whoever does it, 
uh, hopefully will be somebody who will um, try and dig deep enough to know uh, how flawed I am, and that <laughs> you should, and that you should embrace the flaws in in, in a person. Because I think it's very endearing. We have a lot of flaws in our character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very human to have all these flaws. We all have insecurities. We have flaws. We have this stuff. And we have our good points. And I, uh, I think sometimes uh, certain films, uh, biopics, uh, wash over those things. Yeah. And the best biopics I've watched, and I've, in fact, I've liked that character even more, and I've connected with him even more, are the ones that allow for those Flaws. See the flaws. To, yeah. Because despite the flaws, this person has actually managed to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We all know how tough it is. It's just daily survival with everything that's happening yeah. and all the struggles that you might have in life. Uh, and so it becomes a celebration of humanity in that sense. Right. And it's not just about me. It's just about anyone. So it should be hopefully somebody who's who's comfortable and, uh, and, and doesn't want to play kind of, you know, uh, heroism or, or anything like that, that it's just comfortable with playing a real person. So to me, it sounds like somebody like Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> I, I just kept kidding. Ashton Kutcher is a wonderful guy. Uh, <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. Probably he'll would be, not play you. He'll be brilliant. No, yeah, would... it's, a, it's a weird thing to kind of try to analyze who you think. Because, mm. you know, I often think, too, I always ask my guests this, and I think, well, I don't know what I would say if... if I, I was know. asked this question. So. Hey, let me throw it back at you then. <laughs> you started something Oh, man, here. we're about out of time. Ah, I see. <laughs> That's how it works, huh? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. Yeah, you're, you're see right. what it's I mean? See, I, I respect your answer because do, that's probably what my answer would I be know. too. I just want yeah. you to know what you just did to me right oh, there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, look, I know. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. Uh Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, if you would like to get more into the breakfast shows, such as uh, seeing pics of Amir Karangi and I having breakfast at the front yard, there are a bunch of ways you can do that. You can hit up breakfast on the Instagram page at breakfast podcast. My personal Instagram and Twitter are at scoops Pope. And you can also find me on my Facebook actor page under Brent Pope. Amir, what is coming up for you? Anything you, you want to plug? Uh, and where can we find you on the social media? Uh, well, uh, we, uh, with social media under my name on Instagram or, uh, you know, obviously LinkedIn, Instagram or, or uh-huh. Twitter. Um, it's under my name. And uh, But what's coming up? I'm very excited about, obviously, you know, I've, I've so far shot another uh, five episodes of Superstore of mm-hmm. season five. So really excited about those coming up which would be so you guys heard that Amir has just revealed that his character does not die oh in I the did next give something episodes. away didn't oh I? man <laughs> ah, ice didn't take me away despite that <laughs> well I'm excited about that too I'm excited about Superstar too I'm glad right. five episodes already That's, that's yeah. that sounds promising to me it's a yeah. great fun show to be on yeah and thank you so much, Brent. This has oh, been loads of fun. This, I, this was so much fun. I had fun having breakfast with you. I had fun uh, talking with you, and this has all been great. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with you more very, very soon. Same here. All we'll right. do that. And with that, that is another episode of Breakfast in the Old To-Go Bag. <laughs>